Welcome to Under the Net Podcast, and thank you for joining me today, Under the Net, and listening to my podcast. My name is Patrick Juarez, aka Cool Breeze, aka Patrick F. Baby. For most of my life, I've been in the military and have had the chance to live all over the world, meeting a lot of great people. This podcast gives me the opportunity to bring all my family and friends to my world, Under the Net, so I can listen to their stories, life experiences, jokes, or teaching moments that may be beneficial to myself or others as we live our ordinary lives. So please, turn up the volume, take a moment to hear what my family and friends have to say, and welcome to my world, Under the Net. Alright, hey, thank you for joining me, Under the Net, today... Today's guest is uh um oh my gosh uh it, it's it's an honor to have this guy on uh, on this podcast um I I have I went through three section chiefs uh, in the same section during I think it was about a year time frame and he was the last section chief I had for that section um, but he was also the last section chief I had in the military period because uh, <laughs> once I left uh, we ended up uh, I ended up progressing you know whatever. He's always been a, a, a great uh, artillery man, an amazing supervisor, leader, and a friend. He's outstanding artillery man. Uh, this guy loves his job. He loves the army. He loves his family. Uh, to, I'll give you the introduction today. Uh, Sergeant First Class Edgar Campos Flores. Hey, welcome under the net, brother. Uh, what's your story, man? Hey, how you doing, Patrick? Nice day. Thanks for having me. That's crazy. It's been like, I've known each other for about 20 years now. Yeah, it's going on. Yep. Twenty twenty change. Uh, what can I tell you? Uh, that's that's nice. Know you, that's for sure. Yeah, you know? absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And, and you know, we've been to a lot of uh, same places together too. You know. Um, oh yeah, we started. Uh, we started here in Bray. Yep. Uh, what you call it? Then I went to head. Then you were ahead. Yeah. No, you went to hook first. Then yeah. I got there second. Yeah. Hey, so I, I was thinking about that earlier today. Um, did you start off at Alpha Battery um, and then went to Bravo? Yes. So originally, um, Alpha Battery paid sir for 98. Okay. And then in 2000, I, I want to say 2003 or 2002, somewhere there, then I went to Bravo Battery. Okay. Yeah. You know? That's right. Uh, at, the, at the time, Sergeant Chase, uh, Wendell P. Chase. Yeah. I was a gunner for this section. Okay. And in order to progress, it's like, well, you need to go and become a section chief. Yeah. You know, as an E5, brand new E5, like you need to become a section chief. And Brown Battery gave me the chance to become a section chief over there. No, I, 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 that's what I was just trying to remember. Um, cause I, you know, I, I was with, uh, headquarters for a minute and then I went to Bravo and I couldn't remember if you were with Alpha or, or who you were with, with Charlie or Alpha. Um, Hey, but before we get into all, all this stuff, I mean, it, yeah, I just I just had to throw that question out there before I forgot. Hey, so tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where are you from? So originally, I'm from Mexico, uh, a small little town up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's called Teposcuán, Morelos. Yeah. Uh, if you were to, if I always tell people, grab Mexico, a map of Mexico, look and find Mexico City, draw a line 60 miles long to the south, and you'll find a little town up in the mountains. And that's where I'm from, originally from. Okay. But I, but I grew up in New York. New York's actually my second house, you know? Yeah. And there's a reason why I'm in New York, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, remember we had that conversation. We said, hey, you you ever talk to any like you know Mexican or whatever? And they say they're uh, from somewhere that's not Texas or something like that. They're from Mexico. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and as you know, and many people know, I crossed the, I crossed the border illegally in '91. Yeah. You know, and yes, I did tell INS, and I did disclose I crossed the border illegally, so it's not a crime no more. You know, <laughs> but I was an illegal alien from '91 through '90 to '96. Okay. In New York City, and that's why we stay away from the border. You know, because it stays, you know, it's more quiet. Right. Less to worry about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I remember we have that conversation in the multiple too. That was hilarious. Um, okay, so so you lived in New York. What uh, what happened from there? So how old were you when you came over? When you went to New York? I, I was I was twelve years of age when I when I got to New York. Okay, so you pretty much lived your your teenage life over there in New York then. Yeah. So from my literally from my twelfth birthday all the way to my seventeenth uh to my eighteenth birthday, yeah. I was in New York City. You know, so yeah. then we came home, and then I joined the army. Okay. Wow, that's great. Is, is that why you joined the military cause, or the army? Because you got no, married, or no? Actually, so I got married in '96, right after high school. Yeah. You know, and at the time I was a legal alien. I was working in a restaurant. I was working at a pizzeria. I was working here and there. Yeah, and I couldn't. I, I was stuck. And next thing you know, I have a, a work permit. Next thing you know, I walk, I'm walking to my job, and I started. It was this location on Quiz on Quiz Boulevard, where I had to start get off the train and transfer to the bus. Mm-hmm. And that intersection is a recruiting station. Okay. So I'm walking by, and I, for some reason, I turn around. And I see this guy. Tall, blue eyes, long hair, infantry badge, every single medal on his chest. You know, back then the class, the class A is the green ones, the green uniform. Yeah. You know, and he and he saluted. You know, so he's out there looking at looking at space, but he saluted, right? There was there was a cutout board on the on the on the front of the window, and I'm like, that could be me. Yeah. You know, that why not? That could be me. So next thing you know, I go inside the recruiting station. You know. And there's one of those recruiting stations where you have all five branches and, and one single office. Oh, okay. Everyone's there. Yeah. So as soon as, as, soon as I go there, I, I meet the Navy guy, you know, a, Navy, a Navy recruiter. He's like, oh, you want to join the Navy? Like, yeah, no problem. Well, do you know how to swim? Like, nope. Like, well, we, the, Army, the Navy is going to teach you how to swim. Like, nah, that's not for me. <laughs> you know? Uh, the, uh, so I with the Coast Guard. Uh, the Air Force wanted me to be a U.S. citizen. Like I'm living a resident. I'm just a temporary resident right now. Yeah. Like, well, come back when you're re- when you, when you're a U.S. citizen. We'll get you. The Marine Corps. I talked to the Marine, and this is like one after the other within five minutes of each other. Wow. You know? I took I took it to the Marine guy, and the Marine's like, you know what? We can do something for you. But he tells me, hey, you need to jump in that pull-up bar. You need to do five pull-ups. If you can do five pull-ups right now, you're gonna be a Marine. And I jump at the pull-up bar, and let's just say I, I barely did one. <laughs> you know? So you know the marine guys like you know why you need to lose some weight you need to work out well you know they come back to see us yeah and at the end of the, at the end of that office all the way at the end there was 
that uh, uh, strong first class, strong first class pillars, and he's by himself, tucked mm-hmm. in the corner. And I, I got to him, and I'm like, you know what? I'm a very, very broken English. I want to join in the army. And he looks at me crazy and just walks away. They're like, no, for real, army, army. And I, I couldn't speak the language, but I just keep saying army, army, right? Yeah. And the guy looks at me and he's like, well, do you want to be a, an infantry, a tanker, or an artilleryman? Like, I do not understand. Yeah. Right? And then, he, and then he gets more technical with me. He's like, do you want to be a 19 kilo, a 13 Bravo, or 11 Bravo? Like, I do not understand. <laughs> and then he's like, do you want 3000 6000 or $12,000? Right? Yeah. And let me tell you, $12,000 in any language is bigger than $6,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I joined the Army. Literally, you just walk into the Army recruit station, look on the poster, thinking that, that could be me, and within 30 minutes, talking to the uh, Sarper Slash Pillars. Yeah. And he, you know, I, uh, the delayed entry program for about three months to lose some weight, get back in shape. And next thing I was shipping out. That was in February, and I shipped out in May. Okay. In May 6, uh, two, uh, 1998. Okay, yeah. so you just hit 22. Yeah, I just hit last month. I hit 22 years of service. So nice. I'm still counting, you know? Yeah, no, awesome, awesome. Hey, so 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 how did you go airborne then? Like, not, you know, speaking the language and just going to recruiter and then go to a freaking airborne unit. So, let's just say that English has has been my second language and I gotta thank the army for teaching me what I know. Yeah. All right. Grew up in New York. Growing up in New York, ever speak Spanish. Uh, High school was with the Colombians, with the Venezuelans, with the Cubans. So there was no need to to speak other language than Spanish. Right. So I get to basic and AIT and I don't speak the language whatsoever, but I have a friend, uh, my sonet, private my sonet from Puerto Rico. Every night, he will spend time with me, and he will teach me key words that I will listen to from the uh, from the drill chart. Okay. Like, if you hear this, you do this. If you hear that, you do this. If you hear that, you react this way. Okay. And that got me. And that got me through basic training. Wow, you know? that's that's a good battle yeah. buddy right yes. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was National Guard too. Okay. National Guard for the uh, for Puerto Rico. Then in AIT, this guy uh, Christopher Dillon. Uh, Private Christopher Dillon. He's like, hey, by the way, uh, by the way, in English, so another guy translated for, for of course. He's like, they're offering 150 a month to go to American school. Yeah. You jump five times, you volunteer, you jump five times, you get the wings, and you don't have to jump ever again in your life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking, extra 150 a month. There were five times I don't have to jump ever again in my life. It's a perfect, it's a perfect deal, you know? Yeah. But I didn't understand that they meant volunteering for urban training and urban, uh, possible and urban unit after that, you know? So, yeah, I volunteered because I didn't know what mean, what volunteer mean in English and Spanish, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Wow, that, that's amazing. So you had a good battle buddy, then you had a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 hey, Christopher, and he still owes me $20, by the way, so that's all right. <laughs> Did he go airborne? So we went to airborne school training together. Uh-huh. Uh He got uh, unfortunately he got caught from the P, uh, from the PX. So he got caught from the PX and he got dropped from the airborne training and he was sent to Korea after that. Yeah. You know, and I, I stayed. 
uh, I didn't know, actually, I did volunteer for uh, an airborne assignment after that. And next thing you know, I'm in first of three to one in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. You know, the only one five five airborne battalion in the whole free world, you know. In the whole free world. A lot of people don't like hearing that, but it's true, you know. It's true. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, I, you know, I actually, um, I, I was doing groceries uh, before I joined. And this guy had a Ranger, Airborne, all that stuff. I was like, I'd like to jump out of planes. I had never flew in a plane, period. Um, so when I signed up, I was like, yeah, can I go Airborne? The recruiter was like, heck yeah, you can. I was like, okay. So I didn't know nothing about that stuff either. So, But, I mean, I knew language and all that other stuff. I just didn't know nothing about it, you know? Um, and I get to uh, I get to uh, brag, and I'm thinking I'm going to 82nd, too. And now uh, they pushed me down to 1321. Um and man, it was that was that's a, a very you know prestigious unit. You know, um, they got a lot going on. Cool. So 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 you were in Alpha Battery the whole time. Uh, did you stay with uh, Sergeant Chase the whole time? So for, as soon as I got there, Sergeant Medina was our section chief. That's a brand new private. Okay. Uh, at the time, Medina was the section chief for a little bit. Then he trans- transitioned from being a testing bravo to be a supply sergeant. Okay. You know, so Ch- Sergeant Chase took over. I'm a private. I, I don't know better. And he took him up under his wing. Yeah. The funny thing about him, he used to screw up. I don't know if you remember him. He used to scream, yell, and curse. You know? And every time he would do that, I would look at him, I would smile. You know? Every time he started screaming and yelling and cursing, I would smile. And I would smile and I would smile. Yeah. So somebody told him, hey, chief, he does not speak English whatsoever. Campos does not understand what you're saying. <laughs> All right? So next thing you know, they realize I don't speak the language. Everybody realized, wait a minute, Campos is here. does not understand what we're saying, but he always, you know, he reacts to everything. Yeah. Because, you know, pick, picking up keywords here and there, you know. So that got me through. That me get, got me through all the way until I became a gunner. Once I became a gunner, I became a, months after I became a sergeant. Okay. And as soon as I, be, as soon as I became a sergeant, I started memorizing pre-jump and nomenclature and tried to become a jump master. Yeah. And I started memorizing books. I just memorized the book after book. I mean, paragraph after paragraph. And that got me through everything, literally. That got me through uh, PLDC back then. It got me through John Master School. It has got me through all the schools I can think about because I just memorized word by word. You know? And that's kind of also how I ended up speaking a little bit English better than back then. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, hey, I tell you, when you came chief, so so I had Sergeant Skate. Well, I was in MO, like I said, with uh, headquarters and then. September 11 happened. They moved all 13 Bravos back to the line. Um, and then I was with, uh, I went to Bravo and then I had Sergeant Skates. Um, I don't know if you know Sergeant Skates. You remember Sergeant Skates? I, I remember the name pretty good, but okay. it's not a face no more. So that section stayed the same pretty much the whole way through. So it was Sergeant Skates, Sergeant Cochran, uh, Hood, um, uh, Hawthorne, uh, McConaughey, me and a few other guys i can't remember them but but we stayed the same skates left he went to drill sergeant school cochran he was a chief for a little bit but like i think it was like a couple months and then he got injured um that that star cluster hit his leg uh yeah yeah hit his leg and hit that hit his vein or whatever and then that's when you came yeah um man (laughs) yeah um but I don't remember that cluster incident because they hit him right in the center where he ain't supposed to be hit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, and the doc, the doc was saying, you know that part on uh, um, Black Hawk Down. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much how it was. He's like, hey, grab that vein. 
<laughs> Save his life, you know. Yeah. Um, but then, but then in that transition, that's when I broke my leg, and then I was out pretty much, uh, you know, because on, on profile and stuff. But then that's when you came around, and um, man, we had a really good section. We had a really good section. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, you got to think about it. We got Porto, we got Hood, we got you. Uh, Vaughn was there too. Yeah, Vaughn. Uh, who else was there? Chan, uh, Tony, uh, Chan, Chan. I'll tell you, Chan. Yep. Uh, Ace Vita was there too. Yeah. Wow. I think yes. I think that's it because then uh, we we had a really small section when we went to uh, Fort Lewis. Um, and then that's when we beat uh, third section, and, and Rocket was dusting this section off because he's like, "Hey, how the heck did they beat him?" <laughs> uh, yeah, now we had a really good section. I, I, I remember uh, one heavy drop. Uh, we all were on it. Uh, we all found. Uh, we got to the gun quick, and you were chiefing. I think Hawthorne was done. I mean, uh, uh, Hood was gunning. Hawthorne was AG, and I was ammo team chief. Like we all had got all the key positions. And that was pretty cool to have our own section just do a heavy drop like that, you know? And, no, and, that's, the, and that's the rule. I mean, you, you, once you jump out of the aircraft, yeah. whoever gets to the gun first gets to do that position right there, you know? Yeah. And, and that's a surprise still there. I mean, you, you see it all the time here. That's still happening today. It has, that has not changed. And that's over, you know, you do a heavy drop and you got the aircraft. I mean, the paratroopers right after that. It's still the same. That's a uh, competitive against each other. Yeah. It's still there. It hasn't changed, man. It's still the same. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. You know, that's that's one part. I guess I I, I didn't get that uh, competitiveness uh, competitiveness um, after that. You know, but that was always the standard. You know, for my unit, like it was the very first standard. It was the very first. You know, where I grew up, and we were tight knit, um, and we we were very professional too. Like we did everything together. You know, and I could just do everybody's job except for the chief job. Uh, <laughs> We would all rotate and do what we needed to do, you know. So that was pretty cool. Cool. So yeah. So then I, I you, you kind of, you know, forced me into uh, getting promoted to uh, sergeant at that time. Um, and when I went to PLDC, you had told me you were going to Fort Hood. I was like, Fort Hood sounds interesting. I'll, I'll do that. So that's when uh, I re-enlisted for Fort Hood, and then I ended up going uh, going before you did. Um, so I was there before you. I was advanced party uh, again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then we, uh, you know, got to Fort Hood. Uh, what did you think about that, going from uh, Bragg to Fort Hood? So the best way to describe it is the mentality. Because once we got once I got there, it was the same mentality that Fort Bragg. Yeah. You know, let's go out, run four or six miles, don't worry about it, come back, run one more time, and let's do everything with a purpose. And then we get to Fort Hood and follow the training calendar. And you don't, you don't run no more than two miles a day. And you don't do PT in the rain, and you don't do. And there were so many restrictions at the time. Yeah. You know, that makes you wonder why the army is so different from base to base. You know. Yeah. You know, you're, supposed to have, you're supposed to have one, one single, simple, uh, one single standard across the board, but every base has their own little uh, ups and downs. No. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had heard that all the time that Bragg had their own rules, and then. Um, but you know, going to Fort Hood twice, Fort Hood has their own rules, and yeah, you you hit that on the head. I've never been to Campbell, but I know they got their own rules too. Uh, <laughs> hey, what do you think about that? They're about to change Fort Hood's name, and a lot of like ten bases, I think they're about to change their names. Well, if that gets approved, it's, I, will, I will stay away from politics right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but change is always good. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, uh, 
change change as long as it's something something for better is always welcome. Yeah. You know? Like I say, if it works, don't 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 fix it. But if it's no longer working, you know, make it better. You yeah. Know, if Forehead changes his name, uh, I see searching uh I'm not sure I'm gonna be this name be thrown around a lot. Uh-huh. I, you know, I will be happy for who becomes, you know, for Benavides one day, you know. Yeah. So I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 yeah, definitely stay away from politics on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I just think just because the name, I mean, I, yeah, I get I get all that stuff. But, it, you know, for has been, you know, named for Hood for a long time. Um, and then, like, you know, guys like you and I have been there a couple times or, you know, there, you know, served. Um, you're always going to call it for Hood, you know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. There's another another basis of thinking about changing their name, and regardless of the change it or not, the next generation will know about the new name. Yeah. But old timers like me and you, when we said the new name, so like, what, what are you talking about? You were referred to full bread like always. This yes, as a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the name is not is not associated with good things. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But but at the same time. If you ask anyone in Fulbright what Fulbright stands for, they will tell you it's about capabilities, the ability to be there in anywhere in 18 hours. Right. They will tell you it's about special operations. They will tell you it's a stands for urban units here. Nobody will refer it to us, to General Braxton whatsoever. Right. You know? And the average Joe doesn't even know who Braxton was back then. Yeah, I, I don't. Exactly. <laughs> 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 so, you know, if we change things to please somebody, if it's for the better and it's gonna make some uh, better relationships between different communities, great. You know? Yeah. Definitely. But you know what? In twenty, thirty years from now, somebody's gonna complain about the next name. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw a picture so, I saw a picture that it was gonna be called Fort Sharkies. <laughs> <laughs> I will not I will not confirm or deny that I know I know I knew the location of that place almost inside the location, so yeah, but that's one of the places that you, you everybody knows about. You know, I've never been there, but I know about it. You know, so I saw that, I started laughing. I was like, Fort Sharkies, that is hilarious. <laughs> Everyone knows what it stands. I mean, uh, Sharkies no longer here, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yep. When when uh when I came over here, and then when I stopped to see you, um, I saw that it wasn't there. That was what uh, 2016, at the end of 2016. Hey, so so have has most of your jobs in, in the military been field artillery, or have you done some different things? So for the first fifteen years, yes, uh, straight from uh, advanced party all the way through uh, platoon sergeant, you know, smoke man. Okay. But then in two thousand thirteen, fifteen years into my military career, I had a chance to become a, a ROTC instructor. Really. So I spent three years uh, with eight brigade at uh, what you call it at the ROTC command. All beautiful Hawaii, and actually, you know, it was it was a different view of the army when it comes to commission officers. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, you every time you get a second lieutenant, was the first expression that we do, or the was the first thing that we say. Yeah, yeah, get you're lost or listen to your NCOs or yeah. you know. Uh, he's lost it. Yeah, he's lost in the sauce. Get the bottom bar out of the way. Do not touch anything because you're going to break it. Yeah. Do not speak unless you're spoken to. Even though there are commission officers, and by, by, by definition, they outrank the search mayor right out the back. Yeah, absolutely. 
And those three years, those three years in, uh, in, uh, in Hawaii, at the University of Hawaii, it gave me a new perspective of what a commission officer goes through to get commissioned. Right. You know, for the 15, last 15 years prior to, uh, prior to that, I've seen privates all the way to start first class and master sergeant what they go through. Because I was part of the, you know, I was part of the process too. Yeah. So, you know, the education levels, the training, uh, when, the, I mean, what you're looking at, what you're looking into somebody to become the next section chief when you platoon, you know, but we never pay attention to that second lieutenant that gets to the platoon. Yeah. You know, we never do. We never do. So those three years, it opened my mind seeing that human, that, that human become a college student and also try to become a commission officer at the end of those four years of school. Right. You know, and what they, and what they got to manage, you got to manage your personal life, you got to manage yeah, the ROTC, in my case, the ROTC program, and also they got to manage their student life to get that degree. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, a different uh, perspective of life. And after that, it was no longer, hey, don't touch anything because you're going to break it. It was more, okay, you know, I know where you're coming from, and this is how the Army life looks like. Right. Know? So. Yeah, see... And, See, working at the schoolhouse, the where Bullock and all that, where they go after your your part, your phase, um, I kind of learned a little bit about that too, um, but just the ROTC side, not really like the you know um, West Pointer side. Well, yeah, I guess they were there too. Um, and then right after that, I immediately went to being a platoon sergeant, uh, so I had to kind of develop that relationship too. So that makes a lot of sense um, when it comes to that. Now, as far as like West Point and, and ROTC, I'd always choose ROTC over West Point, but then... When I got here, I I worked with a couple of West Pointers, and then I did that same thing. I I found out what they had to go through um, over there at West Point, and that's rough. So now now I know why they act the way they act, you know, because they they have to memorize a breakfast for like two weeks out, and you know, just like everything's attention to detail with everything, and and they're they're not getting hazed, but uh, the seniors are. Um, the senior students are telling the younger students, like, yo, you need to know this, you need to know that. If you don't know it, you know, uh, you know, blah 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 blah. And I was like, okay, so that makes a little bit more sense. I, I get it, you know. So it's kind of, kind of that same epiphany, but a little bit later afterwards, you know. <laughs> oh, and uh, and it, and it makes you it makes you a better person. So after after uh, Hawaii, yeah, I, I, I came back to Bragg, uh, believe it or not, back to Jump Status, back to Second uh, to Three Nineteen. Yeah. You know, and as I interacted with officers more because I was assigned to the uh, S3 shop, you know, just being the extra guy in, in the S3 shop. And as I working with officers and, and everyday planning operations for the uh, for the battalion, and there was a different interaction that when I was tomb sergeant uh, previous years, when I get a new second lieutenant, they were like, sir, just don't touch anything. Don't touch the guys. <laughs> just, if you're going to make a decision, let me know first and let you know this right around. Then you tell the commander what you're going to do, buddy. Please tell me first what you're gonna say. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, oh, ba- b- bounce it off the big dog, you know. Yeah, and right now uh, I'm not I'm I'm not long, I mean I'm still with the FA guys uh, with the body, but I'm actually the uh, your sorry your sexual assault response coordinator. Okay. For, uh, for the body. Okay. So that's what I'm doing right now. Completely different animals too, not to the FA, but at the same time. Everything to do with the uh, with the, the life of every single male, male and female on uh, one of the battalions. Yeah. So, no, I did SARC too. I did SARC with the uh, uh, ACRC unit, and okay. <laughs> that's a rough job. That's a really rough job. Yeah, uh, I've been doing it for two years now. Uh, 
volunteer for the job, actually. Okay. So I, I was the master gunner for Circuit 318, and I also was the operations sergeant for them for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And then next thing you know, the uh, a select position came open at the party, and uh, I got into it. I'm reading behind it what it was, what they do, uh, and I volunteered for it. And yeah. I was like, why are you volunteer for it? Like, nobody volunteers for that. You know, let somebody else get picked to go to the position, do the position, the position. Like, no, there's something I, I want to do. Yeah. So, yeah. You you get some uh some good benefits from doing it. I I think I would have rather have done it. Um, you know, based on what I know at the time that I am now. Um, like you are, you know, doing it towards the end of your career because uh, you know, that credentialing and all that stuff. You know, that's that's good for a job afterwards. You know. So uh, de- definitely, that's a plus. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, uh, there's different levels, and for every two years, you get a chance to level up. Or, yeah. Uh, you know. And, and this one does, does translate to the civilian sector because there's those same positions that your victim advocates and your sergeants are doing it as a green suitors. Right. There are civilians doing it. They're not using the Army and the Navy, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, down up what you call it, the Air Force. You know, so the, the ability to tr- actually to translate this job as a green suitor to the civilian sector, it makes it easier. Yeah. Because you know, you're already in, you're doing it, you know. The same, the same certifications actually there's no change to that yeah so. yeah um and I, I said i think I, I did that right when it was coming about that whole certification thing um when that knucklehead did what he did at fort hood that prostitution ring and all that that's that's when i was a sark 2015 yeah yep <laughs> that's that's when i was a sark and man that that had uh that made me do my whole redo my whole program and uh, certifications and and packets and everything it was it was crazy it was crazy but it was interesting it was fun i mean we didn't have no cases or anything like that so it was with most cases we had at an acrc unit was the reserve uh units when they go training they get active duty there was a few you know minor cases here and there but so so then uh you you spent your time just at fort hood bragg in in hawaii or you went somewhere else uh, fort lewis. that's I right spent six years on, i spent six years on fort lewis uh, believe it or not, with a one three seven seven F eight. Okay, that's right. Uh, yeah. And, and as as you remember, one three seven seven F eight back in the day, and I'm talking about ninety eight through two thousand five, they were with us over there with uh on the same brigade, waiting pilot brigade. Yep. And every single uh, NCO that I want to go to general school, every NCO they got in trouble, every NCO they couldn't certify, every NCO they got. Questionable links to something will get sent either to thirty three two one yeah. or to one three seven seven. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And all those guys got deactivated, and all three batteries got reactivated again in Fort Lewis in uh, two thousand uh, seven. Okay. That when I got there, so six years, six years with those guys, two deployments with them. You know, it's great people over there too. I love it. Uh, Fort Lewis is just a very beautiful place. Yeah, it's, it is. It's phenomenal. Yep, I agree with you, and I, I, you, we've been a lot of same places too, and and that's one place that, um, yeah, I, I just, I'd go back in a heartbeat if I could, you know. <laughs> I told my kids, I said, if they give me Fort Lewis, I won't retire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, retirement. <laughs> they said, oh, we don't know where we can send you. I was like, well, I'll retire, man. Whatever. <laughs> Crazy, cool. Yeah, so we're we're teleworking. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> We're teleworking. Yeah. So, so uh, we do uh, project management um, for uh, D D D O T and E or, or, or J T and E joint uh, joint test and evaluation, um, something like that. Um, I, I I I asked me about a year ago, two years ago. I have that thing, you know, kind of how you did uh, the dash ten back when you was my chief, um, and, and I would go brief that. That's called you know I do my recruiting or whatever. Um, but now I just did like a memory dump. So I don't even remember none of it. But anyways, so our, our program got cut back in November and we had, we had like, like five projects left. Um, so, or they were talking about cutting it. Um, so they didn't end till July, I think was the last, uh, the last program we have. So, but all my programs, um, ended, uh, well, my last one ends Thursday, but, I, I transferred that one already over to one of the captains here, and so I didn't I didn't have no programs all year. So when they said telework, <laughs> you know, I didn't have nothing to do so other than transition, and that's all I've been doing is transitioning. Um, but yeah, we 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 haven't been going to work. Uh, you know, APG is a small place, but they have two different places. They have APG North, APG South. We work at South, which is about twenty minutes from where I live. And yeah, there's not much going on. So yeah, I, I kind of got this beard. Um, and it's crazy because, you know, there's a couple other guys in the unit higher than me <laughs> that have larger beards than I do. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's because I, I live on post uh, on the main base. So I got to go, you know, the PX and commissary and stuff like that. So, you know, the mask covers it for now, but, you know, later on or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I got, I got about nine months, Chief. That's it. I, I call you chief because you're always going to be my chief. But. <laughs> no, I, I, I know, trust me, it's the same thing where, like, we, uh, when I talk to a head, you know, he's always my guy. Yeah. He's a master sergeant now, no? but he's my gunner. Yeah, know? yeah. So, as, as those positions are, well, as those times where you identify with somebody, or you, you end up working pretty well together, you know, and that, whatever nickname at the time we were using, it stays. Oh, yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah, it sticks around, man. Shit. Yeah. Cool, man. So, so dang. So you did some some. Are you doing Sark? You did some officer. Uh, some man. I, I tried to go cadet command. I tried to go there. It didn't. Uh, the guy gave up my job to somebody else, and I got this. I, but I wasn't, you know, hating on him. Um, this wasn't a bad spot. I got I got some good things from this uh, place over here too. So not bad. So what? Let me ask you this. You you've 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 stayed a lot of. Uh, uh fa units for a while like you said first 15 years that's that's a long time um what would be some of your most memorable moments whether they were uh you know fa or not fa so you know in every every unit has something uh that one of those moments that you always remember forever yeah you know uh with uh with three two one definitely jumping out of planes consistently you know yeah. that every single time we jump out of planes uh, before I left, the first time I, I did it for 54, 54 times, I actually jumped out. Wow. So every single jump was completely, it's just unique. Yeah. You know? then, uh, definitely another thing that with all the units, uh, 1377, you know, unfortunately it's sad, but at the same time it's, it's very close to me. So as you know, this before September 11, funeral detail will happen. You know, and it was somebody from World War Two 
of Korea, Vietnam. So old timer that passed away, and, and it's time for the army to render honors. And you get the funeral details to go on out. They go, you know, they do the whole uh, full funeral, or you just present the flag. But it was nobody that you knew. Yeah. You know, it was just, uh, you know, old timer and full respect to the family. But you couldn't have it defined with them because it was just a detail. It was just a task, mm-hmm. you know. And then after September 11, it became more personal. You know, you were their funeral details because it was somebody that passed away in combat. You know, somebody that you knew. Yeah. You know, uh, my experience, uh, and it was not a combat loss. It was an accident loss, unfortunately. Uh, we, lost, we lost a soldier in Fort Lewis to a, a traffic accident. Okay. Um, uh, long story short, he was hit when, when uh, he was hit uh, by a car trying to stop traffic. Uh, the soldier passed away, of course. The unit gave us the opportunity to put the funeral details together and go, and we went with him all the way to uh, resting uh, last resting place, and we were part of the funeral detail. We were part of uh, giving honors to that person. Okay. And giving uh, uh, presenting the flag to the family. Yeah. You know. And after that, every funeral I was part of, it just became very personal because it was remembering that one half it felt to give that flag to somebody that you knew. Right. You know, it wasn't a stranger. It wasn't a 99-year-old veteran from World War II. Oh, it was somebody that you knew. Yeah. Somebody that you worked with. And so, no, definitely funeral details. Like the most every funeral detail has been very personal to me. After. Okay. Know? And so that's definitely that's that's the most personal, like more memorable parts of the army life has always been there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's that's a definitely a different feeling, you know, just doing being a part of I didn't ever think I'd be a part of funeral detail until I got to Fort Hood and they were like, Yeah, we're doing all funeral details, everybody's doing it. I was like, Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't meet the height requirement. They're like, I don't give a fuck. I was like, All right, cool. <laughs> Hey, so, so you're Audie Murphy, though, too, right? So what? Are you Audie Murphy? Um, I can't remember. And, uh, it's a big difference between a Audie Murphy recipient and an active member of the club. Oh, yeah, and, I know. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And, yeah. You know, there's people that go and get a medallion, study for it, they get recommendations, they go through the hardware, through all the boards, and they make it through. But once they get a medallion, they forget about it. Yeah. And it comes back again when it's time to party, when we have those social functions. But when it's time to do your NCOER, yes, I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, look, I got my, look at my medallion, make sure it goes on my, one of the bullets, goes on my, on my evaluation, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a lot of that. But now I'm an act, I've been an active member for many years since I got my medallion in 2009. Okay. Where were you at when you got that? Uh, uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. Okay. Actually. Okay. For, my first attempt was in Fort Hood. Uh, you remember first time in Britain? Yeah. Time, right? Yeah. Uh, so he got uh, he recommended recommended me to go to the board, go to the process. Unfortunately, I was not. Uh, I did not make. I didn't. I did not make the selection. I did not make it to the uh, the regular part of the board, and all the search mayors decided that I was not ready for it. So, you know, that was 2006 while deployed, and then. In 2007, I got a chance to meet uh, Sergeant Mayor Mwardi. He later became the Sergeant Mayor of Field Artillery. Okay. Uh, for a couple of years. But him, he literally 
he encouraged me to go through, go back to the process. Yeah. And and the, and in the process, actually, just not be the guy that studies and memorizes everything, but understand why you're doing it. You know. Yeah. And so no, it, it took a couple of tries, but yeah, 2009, I got inducted into the club. Okay, so, that's awesome. I I I tipped it at Fort Sill, and I was gonna attempt it again in Alaska, and I didn't try. I I I I just wasn't feeling it in Alaska, you know. So I just didn't even try it. Um, but I attempted it at Fort Sill uh, twice actually. Um, I had I, I freaking had to get my my records uh, or the the documents showing why I didn't make it. Um, but that was when they changed it to all five members had to be Audie Murphy for them to say yes or no. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, like always, I, I tell a lot of people, not because you're not a member means you're not an outstanding NCO, right? You know, right? And we had great. I mean, we got outstanding NCOs out there that every day to take care of troops that do their job and they find the different ways to actually better the unit. that are not members, yeah. You know, and, and at the same time, we have a lot of members, a lot of people that were medallions. They don't do nothing, none of that. Yeah. You know? Yep. So, at the end of the day, yes, it's recognition for something that you did. It's, it looks good in the uniform. You know, let me tell you, you know, walking around with that medallion around your chest, you know, if, if everyone wants to know when, how long you've been, you've been a member and all that. But there's a lot of NCOs out there that they don't, they do it for, they're not members and they do much, much better than some of the members that we have today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, and and that's what one of one of the bullets that I, I do have in my uh, NCR and that I appreciate is training an NCO to be an uh, Audie, Audie Murphy inductee. I was like, okay, cool, I'll take that because <laughs> one of the guys that you know went through here, yeah, I did. You know, I was helping out with him a lot, um, and you're just giving him a lot of advice from what I had experienced, and um, you know, and then he ended up doing. A, he was a president of the club here and doing a lot of things too, but. And he was trying to get me. He was like, "Man, you do it." I was like, "No, I'm, I'm retiring, man. I, I don't need that." <laughs> so, so a guy from New York, um, don't know, didn't know English, and, and is a part of the most elite program, uh, you know, NCO clubs uh, in the army. Um, wow, that, man, that's that's uh, impressive, man. Yeah, it's, it's actually I'm not change anything I have done so far. Yeah. yeah. Every every every. Location meeting every single person, every, meeting different people, different uh, different backgrounds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, every single experience, and it just has made me a better person today. Absolutely. You know, uh, what you call it? We, I was I was I was thinking when you uh, when I got some uh, when you contacted me about this, I was thinking about what, what I have done in the last twenty two years. Okay. You know, and I saw literally I started doing like a sketch, like okay, ninety eight I did this, ninety nine I did that. And it will take me literally about six days to go through every single note of what I have done. But one thing that's always behind everything else is that I was an illegal alien that did not speak the I didn't spoke the language at the time. Yeah. You know, and have and the doors were open for me. You know, I don't I don't remember anyone from the unit saying, you know what, you don't have the potential. You know, because. You don't speak the language, therefore we're not gonna invest time on you. Every single section chief that I had invested time in me. Yeah. Every platoon sergeant, every first sergeant, every uh, every officer, uh, except there were soldiers. Even not to get political, but 
I have met soldiers that are not, that don't like others for the skin of the, uh, the color of the skin. Right. A lot of people around them. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, those same soldiers working with them, they never second guess any decision that I made, either in a combat environment or a training exercise, or in a certification or in training. You know. Yeah. So you know, it's it's been rewarding. It's been very rewarding doing this for 22 years man that you know that's that's a great way of putting that because um yeah i think we've all met you know soldiers that that you know that have that feeling of because you know what your skin looks like or whatever but they always execute when you know regardless of who's doing it you know they always execute and um you know they it's up to them if they want to execute to standard or whatnot but yeah chief so i tell you um, mine was totally different when I met you. Um, I was like, oh, he come from Alpha Battery. Them guys are totally, they're, they're not Bravo, you know. Um, they're too cool over there. And, and we had, we were kind of like, man, he better not come do that over here. And sure enough, like, um, no, you, you were, uh, you're a great addition to the section. Cause you know, it was just, it was just something you just came with that fire. You came with that change that we needed. Um, that professionalism, you had all the answers. Um, there was a couple of times we got tested and you were just like, yeah, let's do this. So you were definitely trained very well. Um, and you know, you were always somebody that I could call if I had any questions or anything and say, Hey, uh, does this sound right? <laughs> and I think I did call you a couple of times too. And you would give me some good guidance and some sound, you know, sound judgment and stuff. So yeah, I appreciate that. Interesting, uh, interesting stories. Both of us, uh, yours in- very interesting. Um, what has this done for you to prepare you for life outside of the military? So, it's, that's a loaded question, you know. Yeah. It's a loaded question because that was, when we came in, that was told uh, some of your skills and jobs, skills and training will translate into the civilian sector. Yeah. Which is a bunch of BS. Right. Uh, unless you do the prepping and the training, you personally take time to invest in yourself, you know. Now, personally, uh, I take away the, uh, what you call it, working by myself. In the last two years, I mean, like, I answered to the, uh, a colonel and a sergeant major. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do have a first charging, I do have a battery commander. But because I work, uh, I run the shop program, there's no, there's very little supervision, uh, what you call it, that very little supervision is needed because it's expected of me to have the right answer to help somebody at any moment, yeah, you know. So that's one, one thing I take into uh, to the civilian sector. You know, be ready to be uh, self-dependent, uh, self-autonomous, yeah. you know, to do something, to get something done, you know, with a little supervision, you know, knowing that needs to get done. Right. You know, uh, training-wise, uh, they always said our uh, army guys are sort of reliable, the work, uh, hard workers, they're always on time, you know, they get a job done first instead of resting first, you know. Yeah. So you know, it's it's uh, what I come by multipliers in the civilian sector because we want to. It's not that we want to work; it's that we know that once the work is done, then you have more time to, for you, for yourself. Yeah. And we value time. We do value time because every deployment, every training exercise, every time you're CQ on staff duty, that's time away from the family. You try to give them the time back, you know. Yeah. So we know the value of time. We do. We do not. We know the value of time. So. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, because you know how many birthdays and anniversaries and and you know stuff like that you miss. So uh, you, your kids, your kids are getting big, right? I think well, they're both out of high school. Or <laughs> so Abigail, Abigail, uh, she's twenty. Uh, she starts her junior year in college next uh, next semester. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm old, man. Uh, <laughs> my son, my son Kevin, uh, he starts his junior year in, in high school. Okay. You know that four years, but he's sixteen and she's twenty. So you I mean you can do the math, you know? Yeah. The old is so. <laughs> Yeah, hey, you say you're old, shit. I'm a grandpa. <laughs> no, I'm not a grandpa yet. That's another thing I can be proud of right now. I'm not a grandpa. Yeah. I'll be forty-two. I'll be forty-two at the end of the year. And I still use, you know, call me Pops, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, last question before we start closing out. Um, out of everything that, you know, you've done before military, during the military, now, whatever, is there anything that you could change and why? The culture, you know, there's something we like to change is how we see women 20 years ago. Okay. You know, uh, Phil Artillery, we're pretty, uh, we are real bad at this, uh, where the integration of, men, of females into the ranks was unheard of. And when it happened, a lot of males couldn't understand the idea of having females in charge of them yeah. in the ranks. Yeah. You know, the integration should have happened 20 years ago, you know. So, and, but it's, it's something I would like to change is that the mentality that was, uh, yeah. In my opinion, the average male soldier has towards females. Because I have met females that completely can outdo a soldier day and night. Right. Physically, mentally, and tough, you know. But they don't get, uh, it's always, they're not capable of doing it, they are not ready to do it, or they are not willing to do it, which is a complete lie. You know, it's literally those. That's one thing I would like to change is the mentality that we have towards females in the military. Okay. Yeah, I was about to ask, is that just in the military and the civilian world too? But, I mean, yeah, we really don't have no experience in the civilian world, so we can't really answer that one. But um, but why was that, though? I mean, back in the day, you know, yeah, it was like well, you're either going to, you know, try to, like, you know, protect them more than you would, you know, other people. I, I guess that's what, I, you know, I was told or whatever, but... And it makes sense, you know. You're more geared to, you know, protecting a, you know, as a protector, uh, the the females. Do you, do you think that that's a problem now? Like like the mentality is is that what you're talking so, about or? So I can tell you this as the uh, working as a, as a sexual assault response coordinator you know, for the brigade. Uh-huh. The mentality the mentality is still there, and is the army has that mentality because everything that we use. Any equipment that we have, we still refer it to as a male or female, uh, male or female pronouns. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, a piece of equipment that we use, we refer to them with female parts or male parts. Right. You know, everyday expressions are allowed within the ranks are allowed because it's always a male-dominant environment, you know? Yeah. So we have to, the Army has to start changing that. Literally, I'll give you a good example. Uh, antennas, you know? Yeah. You remember the uh, 254s? Yeah. The poles, right? Yeah. What was referred to? We always referred to male portion and female portion. Right. You know? We always refer 
prefer the male portion because of the female portion. But it was, ref, it was also a reference to body parts. Right. You know, why we still, why we still doing that today? I, I guess I guess that kind of goes back to that whole you know Fort Hood Fort Bragg you know name change or, or, or but but that's still part of the culture though you know that's that you're right that's still part of the culture that needs to be changed um, and I agree yeah. with you I agree with you on that one. There's a lot of high speed uh, women in the military. A lot of high speed oh, women. Yeah. The first female that I met that actually it changed my mind of how a female, uh, my personal opinion of a female in combat mm-hmm. it wasn't with the two seven seven FA. Okay. Uh, for her, for her Texas, her name is uh, Celine. So what special is Celine? Selena. I remember her. Uh, what she called it because she was the uh, battalion commander's gunner. You remember that? Yeah, I remember. She was, uh, she, she was a battalion, uh, battalion, battalion gunner's gunner. So she was always on the on the on, on the turret. And once upon a time, one of those little incidents that we have in country, she got hurt. You know, uh, it wasn't uh, it was an explosion. Uh, thank God she was not seriously seriously hurt, but she was hurt in the explosion. You know, but what she was doing days after, she was back in the turret. She was manning the gun again, and nobody second guessed that she was back in the turret manning the gun. Yeah. You know, and this is two thousand five. You know, when uh, the female role was barely uh, coming up, we start seeing it more and more in the combat environment. So definitely, she was one of the first ones that made completely made me change my mind of what the female role in combat is. You know, because prior to that, with three to one, we had no females. The yeah. only females that, that were found was at the brigade level, and it was on the S one shot. You know. Yeah. But it was with two seven seven. We had it was just not her. We have several females. That were with us. That were that will not hesitate going on patrols, get on the turret, or getting dirty in a motorcycle, changing track, or changing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you know that's definitely you know it's that was like an experience. When that, when, that's that's when I saw change. That's when I started. I personally started accepting the idea. You know what? Male or female on a battlefield doesn't really matter. As long as you each other got each other six, and, and you're willing to do the job. You know, so. I, I did this um, uh, Robin Sage. I did that Robin Sage right after PODC, and there was this uh, engineer guy. He was a PFC, and we had some uh, uh, ROTC cadets there. And this guy hated females. Like we had to, we had to take them off of our uh, our uh, little guerrilla army or whatever, and put them in the op four because it was like an admin move because he was just causing problems for all the females there and you know i, I dusted them off i just got i just got promoted e5 um so <laughs> I, I dusted them off for a good 45 minutes you know and uh the sf guys came and they told me the next day they're like hey we were about to stop you um until you stopped yourself you know but we haven't seen somebody get smoked like that in forever <laughs> i was like hey i was raised right <laughs> I will take the smoking for two hours and to take an article to the team, you know. That's, yep. That was the easiest thing to do, you know. And, and, um, and you would do it quick with no questions asked, you know, get smoke. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> hey, but you got a Purple Heart too, though, right? I mean, not to get into the story or anything uh, like that, but you got a Purple Heart too, right? Uh, it has one of those awards that I would, if I could give it back, yeah. I will give it back in RB. Yeah. Yes, I do have it on my license plate to my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My car, my car 
are still registered in Texas. So that's only three dollars a year I have to pay. Yeah. So I will not argue with that. I'm not <laughs> argue with three dollars, but registration to be three dollars a year. But I know, yes, unfortunately, uh, that was during my deployment with you guys with two seven seven two. Right yeah. at the beginning of the deployment. Uh, yes, we lost people that day. We lost two guys that day. Good uh, old Jason, uh, Jason Lopez. Yep. And Doc Walker. Uh, and people got hurt too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in that first vehicle. That we were all on that ride. Me, you, uh, Lopez, uh, my my platoon sergeant. Was was your platoon sergeant on that? No. Uh, so I spoke Wally, but he was still in he was still in Kuwait. That's right. Remember our platoon got our platoon got split in half. Yeah. And the West Coast, they were escorting uh, Air Force guys all the way through Iraq. But we started doing missions in in Iraq all around the Taji area. Okay. But yeah. Like definitely, I will not. I will not hesitate back. Give, give it back. If I can get any any of those guys back, you know. Yeah. I will. I will not think about it twice, man. It's, I will give it back. I I feel the same way with the cab, you know, because um, the cab is you is 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 not similar, um, but you have to have some action to get it, and I feel the same way. Like um, you know, a lot some people have it just to have it, but you know, some people actually deserve it, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things that I never wanted, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't trying to chase that one. Um, but no, but I bring up the purple heart though, just because as we close up, man, and we just give a, you know, a little, um, rundown, like we said, man, you, you, you just, you came from across the border, uh, didn't know Spanish. You, you, you did the, uh, SRP, uh, at the recruiter station and hit every branch. Uh, the army, <laughs> the army was lucky to, to get you, um, um, I was lucky to have you as a chief, uh, Audie Murphy, uh, platoon sergeant you worked with at, um, ROTC's, uh, you know, cadet command, uh, purple heart, uh, jump master, senior jump master blaster, right? Macerator. Yeah. Right. Macerator. Macerator. Yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> a quick memory dumps of a lot of this, you know, military that, that I shouldn't, you know, but but I think I do that on purpose just so I'm not like I don't want to get a heart attack when I retire. <laughs> um, but so so you've done you've accomplished so much, um, and then here you are just with, with a positive attitude still, um, and just shows you who you are and, and what you you know what you're capable of. And um, I appreciate everything. Uh, it's an honor for you having to come in under the net, you know, and and just telling your story a little bit, you know. Well, I really appreciate it. you giving me this uh, this opportunity to talk to you guys about this. Yeah, you know, it's definitely somebody has to put a book about everything we have done together because we had a well, you can write chapter after chapter every single every 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 story that you're collecting right now, man. And it's just one day, one day our our grandkids, our great grandkids, they're gonna Google somebody's name, and uh, this and this podcast is gonna come up, you know, and they're gonna be like, wait a minute, that was my grandpa. Yeah. And, that, and that's a, that's that's a good way of putting it, man. And and I appreciate that. Um, anything anything you'd like to say uh, or any shout outs or anything uh, you'd like to do before we um, go ahead and close this out? Well, you know what? If I if I, I spend twenty minutes saying every single name or every single person, <laughs> I would like to say you know send a shadow. Then I will spend little thirty minutes or more. Yeah. But definitely, there's there's a few guys out there. Uh, Sound uh, first class vendor host. Out of one, uh, 377 FA. Okay. If you listen to this, man, I, I miss that guy every day. I mean, he's, he's out and about somewhere in Washington. We call him Ranger Rick. I love that guy. Forget about it. 
the way he saw he sees life and completely changed my life. Where I said thanks, as that tour type of guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Custer, uh, his former captain Kevin Custer. Yes, from the Custer family. Okay. We'll tell you if you talk to him, we will tell you he's not related, but somehow he's related to good old General Custer. Wow. You know? Yeah. That, People that you meet in the army, you know what I'm saying? The, all kinds of walks, all, all walks of life that you meet. I agree with um, that. And I would like to say hi to the trunk monkeys. I don't know if you remember the trunk monkey story. No. Well, that's for another day. Okay. That's for another chapter. <laughs> out there, somebody listen to this. Trunk monkey, if you listen to this, come forward and talk to Patrick and let him know your story about one time you got cut. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, nice. don't tell him to hit me up and, and we can figure this story out and then um, I'll get you back on and we can kind of clarify things because, yeah, I, I, I didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> okay. Hey, sounds good. Um, hey, I appreciate that, Chief, and that's a good shout out. Um, yeah, so hey, I'd like to give a shout out to, you know, old section section uh second section from uh, you know, one three two one, Bravo Battery. I mean, hey, you know, that was a really good section. It was really good guys. Did you have Muzak? Or did he leave? Yeah, uh, 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 Muzak wasn't in third section with, with Miranda. Oh, uh, okay. No, no, no. He was with us for a little bit. Um, and then he moved over there. Then he moved over there. You're right. Okay. I, I have to talk to him and find out what really happened with that one. Because he used to be part of section section. Um, he took care of me yeah, when. He, go ahead. Yeah, when I, when I got there, he was uh, he was already on third section. Yeah. He was with Sergeant Miranda. Yeah. Uh, on, on his section. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so just shout out to all those guys. Um, and that was a really good uh, uh, platoon, uh, battery, um, shoot battalion. You know, that was a really good battalion. We did a lot of good things. Um, definitely a lot of great memories. I definitely was trying to avoid finishing that brag. Uh, you know how when they give you the dragon stamp, they say, we'll see you again, you know? I was trying to avoid that one, so I accomplished that. Um, but, yeah, just shout-out to them. Uh, also, shout-out to, uh, on the gun line, Danny Lopez. You know, you remember Danny Lopez. Yeah, I, I, I listened to his podcast. Uh, I listened to his uh, mid, uh, mid-week memo he does on Wednesdays. Yeah. And the little conversation that he, he has with, uh, with Lee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely interesting conversation. Some of it's all in good fun. Um, some of it's uh, you know, just getting some things out there like, you know, um and that's where the whole concept under the net came from. You know, we we, we talked about everything. Um and that's where I, I was asking you, uh I think the picture that I have on there is from uh you. You sent me that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three to one, actually, uh, three to one. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, that's where the pictures came from because under the net, you know, we talk about anything and do anything, um, but still on the gun line as well. So, yeah, shout out to Danny Lopez for uh, that podcast. And then Coach Silva uh, podcast, uh, just some great guy, another artillery guy that just got some good uh, good advice, good, good lessons. Hey, so your friend or anybody else, if they want to come on the podcast, they can hit me up on IG at patwarez13. Facebook at Patrick Juarez and Gmail under the net.com or Gmail at gmail.com. Sorry. Um, I, I'm not too good with uh, posting on uh, social media and stuff like that. I, I do get to it. Um, I just been kind of taking a break of post, uh, posting on, on social media just because 
everything is going on. I don't, I don't want to be selfish and kind of, you know, uh, push my podcast out there, but I definitely, uh, gonna, you know, I'll still keep doing this and, and keep getting everybody's story out there. Cause like you said, it's a chapter that everybody, um, would like to hear and would, you know, needs to hear. There's some, there's some things that people need to hear. There's some things that they don't need to hear. Um, but there is some things that, uh, you know, they do need to hear cause we've come from a prime example, you know, where you've come from and, and, and what you're doing now, man, it just, uh, Chief, you'll always be, uh, high, uh, you always be my chief. You always be, uh, you know, somebody that I come to, you know, for some advice or whatever. So, um, Hey, but you know how it goes, uh, when you're under the net and we got to kick out everybody cause you got mission or whatever. I got to thank you for being, uh, uh, under the net podcast, but it's time for you to leave the net chief. Uh, no problem, man. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks.